Hello, and welcome to episode four of Turning the Goldfields Green. This week, we're looking at the topic of protest, who does it and why it's important, um, because there has been a little bit of action on that front locally and nationally today, in fact. Uh, Protest has a long history and it is a fundamental right in any true democracy, controversial and often associated with violence in people's minds. Protests should also be associated with any of the rights and privileges we value so deeply or perhaps take for granted. For example, if the suffragettes hadn't protested, women wouldn't have the right to vote. If the unions hadn't protested, the eight-hour day wouldn't be a thing for us. And, you know, some of the people we respect most in our history were protesters, Gandhi, Martin Luther King and Greta Thunberg. Like many topics covered in this show, these uh, ideas we'll look at again in future episodes as the themes of sustainability, climate action and climate justice overlap, interweave and interconnect. But first, before we get into all of that, let's recognise that this program has been recorded and produced on Jara Country, the home of the Jajawarong people, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Salt of the earth people. Grassroots change. Listen to all episodes of Turning the Goldfields Green on saltgrass.podbean.com. Margaret Mead once said, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. So, what are our thoughtful and committed citizens up to today and why. Well, today is Tuesday the 4th of February 2020 and it's the first sitting day of Parliament in Canberra. Since Parliament closed last year, Australia has been devastated by flames. As you know, bushfires have been burning at a scale and with a ferocity that has not been seen before. And they're still burning and people are understandably upset and angry because It's getting harder and harder to deny that what we are seeing is climate change in action. Yet our national leaders do continue to deny it. So, climate action groups across Australia are exercising their democratic right and have come together to create protests and a week-long program of occupying Parliament House, the front lawn in Canberra, speeches, workshops and actions. This morning, they circled the entirety of Parliament House. They're calling themselves the People's Climate Assembly. And a contingency from Castlemaine and Central Victoria have gone there to lend support. So I spoke to two locals who were heading up a couple of days ago, and I will speak to them again, hopefully in the coming week, and and get feedback about what it was like up there and and what actually happened. But this is them pre-protest a couple of days before they left Castlemaine to head up to Canberra. I'm Trevor Scott. I'm a retired architect. I'm father of three children and grandfather of two. I am appalled at what's happening in Australia at the moment. We have rainforest burning that has never burnt before. We have had fires burning in five Australian states all at the same time as never happened before. Not to mention the fact that every month is hotter than the uh, the equivalent month of the year before. So it gets hotter and hotter and hotter and we just 
have to take action. So I'm doing this for my children, I'm doing this for my grandchildren, and I'm doing it for all future generations. And I feel like Greta Thunberg that when there's despair, the only thing to do is to take action, and that gets rid of the despair, hopefully. So tell me about how you're going to get up there, what you expect to find, and what you're hoping to achieve when you're there. Okay, I'm excited by the rumours that I hear about possibly 200,000 people being in Canberra for this, and it is the first sitting day of Parliament for 2020, so it's a very significant day. And it is, it seems to me, the best day to take this message about these fires and the way that Australia is burning to uh, actually take it to the politicians and say, well, we're, we're, we just do not accept that you, you're not doing anything about this and you must act, you must put in place the just transition plan that we've been asking for for so long. This plan needs to take into account coal miners and it needs to take into account workers in coal-fired power stations. We need to have this plan in place it needs to be legislated so that the next government, if there is a next government, follows through and does it. And, and if it takes 10 years, we will at least have a plan to transition to renewables. That is the most important thing. So we're travelling up to Canberra and we're travelling on a bus, probably 20 to 24 people on the bus. And I'm hoping that we get a sense of togetherness on this bus. We've certainly all clear on the message that we want to take to Canberra. I'm a little bit concerned that there's fires in the area and some people are saying they don't want to go because there's fires. I think, I think the opposite to that. I think because there's fires threatening Canberra, there's every reason to go there. And our message can be even stronger because of that. Technically, it's called a People's Climate Assembly. And those words there, they, I think they, they represent to me that these are the people all coming together hopefully hundreds of thousands of people all coming with the same message that the government has to take action and we've had enough of lies we hear every time about this achieving our targets at a canter well we know by now that it's not true we're sick of the lies and we want action we want we want emissions reduction and we're not seeing it so you've been active in this area for several years, I would imagine. What do you, what do you think is happening to the Australian population in the wake of this awful summer of fires? Do you see a change or an awakening amongst the general populace who may, may not have been engaged in climate change action before? Yes, I do. I think people that have normally said, you know, these activists, they're doing good things there, and they feel like, you know, patting us on the back and saying we're doing good work. I think there is a bit of a change. They're thinking, oh, maybe I do need to step up and do something. So I'm hopeful that that is happening and that it will be a big rally and we'll, there'll be a lot of people there that have never been there before. Who are the people who are organising it? Well, our group, Central Vic Climate Action and XR Castlemaine, and other people, not necessarily from, from a group, have been organising this, but uh, Malcolm, under the umbrella of climate justice, we have been uh, having a stall under a tent at the, the weekly Wesley Hill Market and also at the monthly Artists Market. And um, getting our message across, we wanting people to think about 
politically what can be done to write to our local member because at the moment what wor what really worries me politically is we do not have an opposition that's going to say no to coal in fact we have the leader of the Labor Party Anthony Albanese saying that yes we'll continue with coal and and uh, it's totally unacceptable so we really need to to rev up the Labor Party so we have a real opposition. So Eliza Tree, you are going up to Canberra for the People's Climate Assembly. Tell me a bit about how you're going to get there and, and what your plan is. Well it looks like we're going to drive the car and tow a little Avan Activan which is my little activist hub which will have everything from banners but also be able to feed 20 or 30 people and with food and hot drinks, cold drinks, whatever is required because it feels like it's going to be a very mobile kind of event. I think there's going to be a whole variety of different things going on. So the People's Climate Assembly has got a lot of interactive kind of group opportunities for people to share ideas, information, knowledge, etc. And on the day of the big climate rally, on Tuesday the 4th, which is the first sitting day of Parliament, that I think is going to be pretty huge. and. I mean, some people are saying there could easily be 200,000 people in Canberra. Mm. And fortunately, the weather's not going to be too hot. But yeah, so the active van is just sort of to help facilitate, really. So what will happen on the Tuesday? Well, it sounds like there's going to be people converging from far and wide. The federal parliament is speaking about having just quite a short sitting day and really focusing on the bushfires. And there is a very large action organised for midday on the Tuesday. And I think that we'll be surrounding Parliament House. We've been asked not to have banners for security reasons, apparently. But the, we're all going to be apparently dressed in yellows and oranges like a fire. We're going to have really interesting speakers. We've got Bob Brown is speaking and Dr Carl is going to be the MC for the day. And there will just be a lot of very powerful words spoken because people have got to the stage we are so tired of waiting for any political leadership and we understand more and more clearly why we're not getting it they are well in fact why they're not getting it is that they are all so closely deeply intrinsically linked with all the fossil fuel industries and and big big industry and it's like they're hanging on for grim life or grim death as the case may be and they're, they're so locked down, they are just they put themselves into the deepest corner, you can begin to imagine. We are going to speak the truth. And there's going to be dozens of different groups, loads of coalitions of different environment groups, and churches and various associations and, and individuals, and pretty sure everyone will be there. Because we are appalled, we're sickened, we are angry, we are tired, we are beyond consolation and I've got a feeling it, it's there's going to be a bit of action that day. What do you mean? Myself and quite a few other people I know are definitely planning that if necessary we'll be arrested and I suppose that's sort of in the Extinction Rebellion sort of way of thinking which is you know we've tried everything, we have petitioned, we've sat on committees, we've done everything we could, we've protested, we've implored, we've educated we have done everything in our power for 30 years and it is beyond belief that that 30 precious years where we could have been transitioning into a correct future and a sustainable future and these 
evil people have not allowed that. In fact, they've taken it the opposite direction. And it's got to a point where how can words describe what we're experiencing? Those of us who deeply understand and care for nature have had enough and more. We'll do whatever it takes. I mean, I've said quite a few times now, I'll be arrested as often as I need to be. I will, if I have to go to jail, I'll hunger strike. I can't wait any longer. I don't believe that it's fair on the children or the nature. I mean, I'm 56, you know, I don't, it's not going to directly affect me nearly as much as the future of humankind. And I cannot believe that these politicians and corporate leaders are still feeling fit to resist and deny and not acknowledge what's going on. I mean, in the face of everything, the droughts, the fires, the the clear, obvious environmental ecological catastrophe that is absolutely unfathomable that we should have allowed it to get to this point. So many of us have tried so hard for so long so now we just have to really take really proactive action. And it will all be non-violent. That's absolutely essential. It's all non-violent action, but it doesn't mean it's not disruption. We'll see what Canberra brings, because I think it's, um, it's a brilliant opportunity to go and present our voice to Parliament and say enough is enough. If not now, when? So what are you hoping... Who do you really think might change their mind based on this? Well, we're really hoping that some of the sort of, you know, more moderate Liberals might see what's going on. I don't know that there's much hope for the National Party because they are really rusted on some pretty low-life kind of attitudes, as are the far right of the Liberal Party. Hopefully the Labor Party will start to wake up. I mean, they have got a bit less to lose in terms of backing down from their position particularly if they want to win the next federal election and potentially a lot of the state elections which will be coming up because this environmental ecological catastrophe in all its dimensions is affecting everybody. You know, whether it's knowing somebody who lost a home, it's whether it's knowing somebody whose farm is just bereft. It's being showered upon by the the red dust from the Mallee the other day. There's, on every level, it's the drought, it's the heat. People would have to be pretty thick not to have figured that this is climate change. And to be able to put it together to hear, well, the scientists have been saying this loud and clear for 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. I mean, it, this is no great surprise. And, yeah, we've just got to really hope that, that some of the crossbenchers in Parliament will have had enough common sense spoken to them by their constituents, even if they couldn't work it out for themselves. It's, yeah, we've just got to really hope that they can wake up and join the transformation, you know, and start working towards a positive future because we just don't have a moment more to waste. Are you thinking that the general populace of Australia might see this and see how many people are behind it and be swayed? I really hope so. It's going to depend, again, a lot on how the media puts it across. And unfortunately, the Murdoch media, massive. They've got the great oligopoly of media in Australia and the hearts and minds of lots of the people out there in TV land. So that's where it will be really interesting, is to see if Murdoch media will 
loosen their stranglehold on the old debate of climate denial. Even recently, one of the major reporters, I can't think of her name, had to resign because she just said it was breaking her heart to continue to work for an organisation who, in the face of such evidence, were still in denial. So hopefully people will start to shift their ranks and and actually recognise that they are personally going to be affected and their children and their grandchildren and all of their nature. And look, in some ways, maybe it was not the best thing, but, you know, a lot of people having their summer holiday disrupted was a massive wake-up call and having to throw the kids in the tent in the car and spend nine hours on the highway trying to get home in the heat and the smoke. Hopefully they've figured out what it means, what it's all about. That it's linked to climate change and that we all desperately need to act in every way we can right now. Yeah, And, and it's action that brings hope. You know, until we actually unite, speak the truth, activate and make a make many, many plans for the future. It's a transition. You know, we can't change overnight. Nobody will change overnight. Most people don't have the capacity or the knowledge, but it's essential that we all transition into a safer future. In terms of that, I feel really very fortunate that we live in a small community which is so well connected and has got the potential to actually transition a lot more easily than people in the city where all of these things are so endemically embodied in the everyday on every level and their mentality and their sort of lifestyles and their... And the built environment in the city is harder to, I guess enhance or change how it operates when you're that embedded in concrete it's much harder to change the environment that you're living in whereas in a country town you've got more scope for that yeah and I think as well being in that sort of concrete jungle environment being surrounded by houses and buildings and roads and all the rest of it it's hard to actually feel the nature that we're losing I think that's a really valuable thing about living in the country is that we see it and we feel it daily and that is just such an enormous privilege to live in a country town where we are surrounded by nature and to imagine what it must be like, the contrast of living in the city where it's, it's just such a dehumanised kind of environment, actually. Built for humans but dehumanising. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Built for humans by humans and yet completely dehumanising. It's very ironic, really, isn't it? So uh, you mentioned earlier that action can help you come out of despair. Are you seeing more and more people activating uh, locally and, and how are people formulating communities around that and linking together? And We were incredibly fortunate that our local council put to staged a climate forum in December, which was the prelude to them, um, the council declaring a climate emergency, which was so brilliant that they did that. Strangely enough, it was on Australia's hottest day on record, followed by another two record breakers that very week, followed by the bushfires. So I feel really proud that our council did hear the voices of the community and the concerns and step up to that. There's been a lot of various groups meeting and beginning to try and formulate ways forward to to do some of the education, because often it is education that's required. We had a great program in about 2006 in Kesselmaine called the Kesselmaine 500 that educated people as to how to live ecologically in their home, in their workplace, in their day-to-day lives. And it was such a great 
a really, really great series of workshops that we did. And we all helped each other to go around and help with the installation and blocking drafts and helping advise how to minimise energy waste and so on. So that's, I'm hoping, going to be the Castlemaine 5000 instead of the Castlemaine 500, which is a really, really great way to engage with individuals and groups and neighbourhood groups. And then and, think- and potentially engage people who may not want to be an activist as such, in inverted commas, yeah. but do want to improve the comfort of their homes, reduce their energy bills, live more sustainably. They want to help the environment, but they don't necessarily want to join a group that protests. Yeah, and they don't necessarily know how, you know. It's because every time you turn on the light or the tap or the this or the car, hop in the car, there's a lot. Everything is a decision, and when you don't know which what the alternatives are, you just stick with your old decision. So, yeah, behaviour change is vitally important to actually create these great shifts. But there's also the amazing people working through MASC, the Alexander Sustainability Group, who are so brilliant and so patient and so extraordinary how they've worked locally with the council, with various organisations and businesses to really be planning some beautiful work towards zero net carbon emissions in our shire. And again, that is so much more doable here in our shire than it is in Melbourne. Interestingly, it's basing a lot of the principles on the Hepburn Shire, who've gone for Znet, and Urala Shire. And so we've got a lot to learn from them, but also they're our neighbours. So central Victoria and parts of New South Wales have got such wonderful potential with the capacity of the people in the town and their commitment and their knowledge and experience and their absolute desire to share that creation of of a safe climate future. That was Trevor and Eliza, just two of the people from this area who've gone to Canberra and are in Canberra right now. Uh, to try and make our pollies aware that we, the people they effectively work for, are very bloody concerned about climate change. Uh, I'm going to play a song now, which is from the Extinction Rebellion group in Totnes. So you would have heard uh, Trevor mention XR, that's the abbreviation for Extinction Rebellion, and Eliza mentioned the group as well. They've become a major force globally protesting climate change, and they're doing direct actions, non-violent direct actions. So they are trying to disturb the peace, (laughs) but they're not trying to hurt anybody or damage any property. So you may have seen images of them, for example, hundreds of people lying down in the middle of the streets in London to stop traffic and just create disruption to make people aware that, you know, the whole world will be very disrupted if we don't do something about climate change right now. And I would love to explore the philosophies and uh, some of the ideas behind various groups like that as um, this show progresses in future weeks. I'll be covering different topics like that. So stay tuned if you're interested in that. So Uh, Another link between Extinction Rebellion and our episode last week, which was about transition towns, there's a group in Totnes, and Totnes is the town that the transition towns movement really took off in and started from. And the Extinction Rebellion group in Totnes have created a song, which I'll play for you right now. We're standing here, for this is our
Extinction Rebellion group in Totnes in England. And I would really love to know about more protest songs. I feel like protest songs are a way that people can really get a message across and it binds people together and it gives them something creative to focus on. And I know that there are probably some really great protest songs out there. So if you know of any, can you email me at saltgrasspodcast at gmail.com? Yeah, I would really love to know uh, what you know. And if any local musicians out there are creating music about nature or about a bird or about climate change or about, you know, whatever you think is related to climate change and the climate emergency, then also let me know. I'd love to feature your music on this program. So that is saltgrasspodcast at gmail.com. Now, many locals, as you can imagine, couldn't make the trip to Canberra. So a local rally was held today at midday in the Castlemaine Market building steps uh, on the main street there. And the purpose of this was to offer support and thanks to those who did head off and also to raise awareness in our local community about the need for climate action. I went there. And I interviewed a couple of people and I recorded the various speeches and things like that. So I've put a little medley together for you. Um, It was an hour long, the whole rally, um, plus some. So I'm not going to have time to play it all. And I'm sure you probably don't want to hear it all right now. But if you are interested in hearing it all, I will put a full recording of it up on the podcast page. So that's saltgrass.podbean.com. 
if you want to listen to the full rally. But in the meantime, here is a little medley, little bits and pieces, plus some interviews I took from people in the crowd. My name's Stuart Carter. I'm here in Castlemaine outside the uh, beautiful market buildings. And I'm here to show support for all those people that could go away to Canberra today and demonstrate against the foolishness of our government. What's happening here? Can you describe the scene? Well, people are slowly gathering here and, yeah, to get our governments to snap out of their ignorance and listen. Yeah. So what would you like to see happen if, if the government was to listen to people protesting both here and in Canberra today? What would you, what would you really want to see happen? Well, for a big start, I'd like to see at the very basic an acknowledgement that the devastation that we've recently faced in Australia with the bushfires has been a result of climate change. So at the very basic, that would be a beginning and then to look at a serious transition to renewable energy and get the rid get rid of coal. Mm. Do you do you see this government, this liberal government, ever admitting that climate change is a real human caused conundrum, and or getting rid of their investments or our collective investments in coal? Uh, look, I've become uh, more and more angry at the doggedness of our government and yeah there's I don't have a lot of hope for for a change yeah and you know today we're looking at nationals leader being uh, re-elected and if that's Barnaby Joyce well that is a big rubber stamp for uh, for coal mining and the coal industry that's what they're about so so what do you see the benefit of, of gatherings like this group in Castlemaine and the people who are gathering in Canberra, what, what do you see the benefit of that as being? What's the importance of protesting and demonstrating? I see that, you know, people are increasingly feeling powerless and at the mercy of, yeah, powers greater than themselves. And at the very least, this just shows a coming together and a mutual support. You know, the, ship, the ship's sinking, but, you know, and we might be fighting a losing battle, but, you know, we have to stick together and have some solidarity and, um, yeah, community. Hi, I'm Leah Moyoffi. I'm a local resident of Barkers Creek, a science graduate, printmaker, poet and songwriter. Thank you, everyone, for supporting this gathering and helping to make it happen. Thank you, Mount Alexander Shire, for being the 82nd Shire to declare a climate emergency. Yes. Thank you for Bronwyn for coming and attending. Today, we are supporting the People's Climate Assembly who are gathering in Canberra. We ask all politicians across all parties to create and implement policies to save the people, animals and plants. To improve the management of air, water, fire and earth on this beautiful planet. And remove policies that no longer support our survival.
Anyone who wants to get involved and learn more about what is happening in our local community, please come and talk to us at the Just Climate Justice Stall at the weekly Wesley Hill Market or the monthly Artist Market. Today, we will share a few thoughts and feelings, poems, songs and healing activities from members of our community. I would like to introduce our first speaker, Floria. Floria is a member of Extinction Rebellion Castle, Maine and Broader Climate Justice Network. Extraordinary everyday Australians spill onto the lawns of Parliament. They are awake. We are. We call on all our fellow Australians to wake and join a wave of change, to be that change and to demand it of those who are paid to serve the people and biosphere that we all live in. While resilience and adaptation are of high priority, the catchwords of the day. Let's not be fooled. They are hollow words and an insult without climate action being centre stage. No more loopholes, no more news talk, no more decades of fluffing around. So, new speech. <laughs> I'd now like to introduce Tegan, uh, our local uh, poet and publisher. Thank you. Thanks, Liam. Thank you, Floria. The ecological crisis that we find ourselves in in these hard days asks each of us to look inside ourselves and Turn our gifts for good. Like Floria, I'm not a scientist and I'm not a firefighter, but I'm a poet. Like many of us in this community, a community of thriving artists, it confronts us to ask the question of how can art make a better world? And I think part of the answer to that is in imagination in imagining the world that we might create for the future and to imagine the connections that I think we've lost and I think are at the heart of this crisis. We've forgotten our place in the world. The climate emergency is a leadership emergency and we have to shift this disaster for the people, for the animals, for the plants and for life on earth itself. Forward to a citizens' assembly. Forward! If I may just ask Leah if I can just lead the assembly in a, a quick chant, just keep the chant. Yeah, because I'm sick of hearing the speaking, so I'm not a great singer, but I'm going to try. I'm not actually Tina Turner. Um, so, I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to go like that, and you're going to repeat it. And it goes like this. We need to rise up. We need to rise up. 
We need to open eyes and do it now, now, now. We need to open eyes and do it now, now, now. We need to build a better future. We need to build a better future. And we need to start right now. And we need to start right now once more. We need to rise up. We need to rise up. We need to open eyes and do it now, now, now. We need to build a better future. And we need to start right now. Thank you. Hello everybody. Oh, that's quite loud. So real it's so good to see so many Castlemaine and beyond people here um, on this working day for many. Um, yeah, it gives gives hope. Gives hope to us who are who are battling away, as many of you are. So we're gonna do a couple of songs to lift your spirits and give some inspiration for the next steps. And the first one's a song called Stop Adani, funnily enough. And if you have song sheets, please join in. Close your eyes and imagine a day just like today. Your body has grown old and worn. Your hair is thin and grey Sitting in an easy chair As the evening settles down You look on the bright faces Of your grandchildren gathered round Oh, grandfather, they ask you Can you tell us how it was When the world was getting hotter And pollution was the cause when the powerful and the greedy tried to build a great coal mine, did you join the people's chorus when our world was on the line? Did you say, Stop Adani? Stop Adani? Where once there was a whisper, now is born a mighty army. Stop children who will follow and the blue planet Earth are only home. And grandmother, they ask again, tell us, what did you say when the politicians lied and said, it would all be okay when you learned the inconvenient truth. Our future was at stake. Did you speak up or stay silent? Tell us what choices did you make as the summers became hotter and the farms grew parched and dry? As flooding followed bushfires and the rain began to die. Did you shake your head? 
Hi, my name is Sally Rose and um, I've been an activist in the climate movement for a very long time. I was unable to go to Canberra um, but my partner Trevor has gone and I was really um, wanting to support them so I've taken photos and sent messages up to them in Canberra to know that they're doing it for everybody. Um, and that yes, we have to rise up and we have to do it now, now, now. Did you think the protest today was meaningful? Did it do what you wanted it to do? Yeah, I think so. I've left feeling quite centred and realising that we do need to all take action. We do need to do it differently and I'm aware that that's different for everyone. So I need, we need, do need to respect each other in what actions we choose to do and partake, but we do need to be all doing something. Very true, Sally Rose, I agree with you. So that was my little medley from the uh, rally and or protest today in the middle of Castlemaine. And it's almost the end of the show. So that's my first show, I guess, on protest. I think there's a lot to unpack in the ideas of protest and how to affect change. And and what we think of as banners and, and signs and, and marching down the street is just one of many ways that you can protest. So it'd be really good to explore other versions of it and how effective people think they are and, and what's in one person's comfort zone will not be in another person's comfort zone. So it's good to know, like a petition is a protest and a and a call for change. And I don't know, wearing a t-shirt every day that says something meaningful to you is a protest or, you know, it can be anything. So the fact that protest is often inconvenient and is often just small groups of 
people or just one teenage girl sitting on the steps of parliament as Greta Thunberg started the global movement for student strikes by doing just that, sitting by herself on the steps of the parliament in Sweden. Protest can be any scale, any level, and it can grow and it can fade and it changes endlessly. So, But the point, I guess, is to start, no matter how small, because we can never reach that critical mass, which Greta amazingly achieved with her sort of global movement of student strikers who were inspired by her, but who really owned it and took it on themselves. And we have a local group of student strike students who are, um, you know, very active and motivated. In fact, if you would like to support these local students who are acting for a safer climate, every Friday night at The Hub, which is on Barker Street, they have a balcony up the top and they're going to have jazz. It's $12 to enter. You can BYO. And I believe it starts around 7.30. So I think for the minute, it'll just be for summer. But It's a really nice way to support the young people who are doing everything they can to protect their own and our own futures against the effects of climate change. So go down to the hub on Friday nights. I thought I might leave us with a quote, but before I do the quote, I might just mention a few future episodes that I will do on this theme. So one will be a report back from those who went to Canberra. So Eliza and Trevor and hopefully some others who have travelled up to Canberra will be able to come back and give us a little bit of a glimpse of what it was like on the ground up there today and across the week. There's also a human sign being done in Hepburn, which is another really nice creative way. There's one in Melbourne happening shortly and then the Hepburn Wind group are having a human sign day. So you show up and you be, you sort of get pointed where to stand and, and then they get a drone or something to take a photo from above and you've created a message about climate action. So that's on February the 29th and I'll be going along to that and interviewing people who were there in a similar way to see, you know, what motivates them to be part of that and what they think it will achieve. And then, as I mentioned before, all of the uh, different types of of protest and and ways to ask for change in our society. I want to explore that and hopefully get some people from different groups like Extinction Rebellion on the show. But next week, we have a bit of a change of pace. Terry White is a local man. He was one of the people who helped establish MASG. Um, the Mount Alexander Sustainability Group many years ago. He spent many years in Maryborough working on social change and environmental betterment. And I have an extended interview with him. It's a bit of a, a get to know you and it's it's a lovely it's a lovely thing. So I've already done that interview. I just will show it to you next week, Tuesday, 4 p.m. on Main FM. Otherwise, you, you can listen to all the episodes at saltgrass.podbean.com. It's a free podcast site um, and all of the episodes from this series will be made available there thanks to support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. So yeah, this episode, I thought I would end with a quote from Victor Hugo, who you may know as the author of Les Miserables, which the uh, very famous musical was based on his novel set in the French Revolution, and he said, and I think this is true of Greta Thunberg, nothing is more powerful than an idea whose time has come. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week to Turning the Goldfields Green. Salt. Salt. of the Earth. Salt. 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 Salt.
Listen to all episodes of Turning the Goldfields Green on saltgrass.podbean.com. Turning the Goldfields Green is a saltgrass production. It is hosted and produced by me, Alison Hanley, in partnership with the Mount Alexander Sustainability Group, MASG, and Main FM. It should be noted that the statements and opinions of myself and the people I interview are not the official positions held by either Main FM or the Mount Alexander Sustainability Group. We welcome feedback and responses to the ideas expressed on the show. If you would like to respond to something discussed on the program, please email us at saltgrasspodcast at gmail.com. Please be aware that if you do email us, we may read your email on the show and we may identify you by first name. If you do not want this, please say so in your email. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. Mm-hmm.